0: Just an update. Uh, this week, in two days, we had four people from our body that were admitted to Parkview Medical Center in a two-day time frame. So, as an elder and one of the leaders of the church, I can tell you that my phone was blowing up with emails <laughs> and texts and prayer requests. And Kate's going yes, because she sends out all those emails. we want to pray for you. It's interesting, I'm having some work done at my house and there's an electrician there. And he lost his stepdad in January and had to go back to Arkansas. I could relate since I'm from Arkansas. But uh, he went back and and I asked him, I said, hey, if you want to come to church today, you can't. Because how do you process death and loss and grief? And it's been a tough two years, we all know that, okay? Um, But Simon mentioned this, Look in front of you and find one of these, what we call our connection cards. Everybody pull one out so I know that you know. David, don't just let your wife do it, okay? Everybody pull one of these out. And you guys, we want to talk to you. We want to hear from you. Sometimes it feels like this is a one-way conversation. So if you have a prayer request, but what's really fun is if you have a praise that's a good thing too. So we take both, but we're a body. Because I asked him, I said, "So what do you do?" With the loss of us said that. I said, "Where do you go? Who do you turn to if you don't have a church family or a community or somebody to walk through stuff with you? What does that look like?" So I'm grateful for our church body. Sometimes I think, "Wow, Kay sends out a lot of emails." Because I save them, I really do. I, I cut and paste every one, and each week, it's amazing how long that list grows of people that are going through stuff. So let us be a part of your life. Let us, we invite you to be a part of our church family. Okay, so um, it's not just a comment, but today we get to talk about the promises of God. So that's our message. Um, I to ask this before I start. Does anybody here use the word Pollyanna? Does anybody know what Pollyanna means even? Well, I had to look it up because I've used it. I'm going, I said, I don't want to be Pollyanna or optimistic in my thinking. Our verse today, the one we're going to use is we're in Hebrews, right? On the promises of God. It says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So our theme has been the promises of God. And our promise that we're going to focus on today is that I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you. And then he goes on to say, so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And I guess my big thing on this one that I don't want to do is I don't want to be the optimistic, just happy-go-lucky thinker because I really am that way. I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I'm pretty optimistic. And Pollyanna, I looked up the definition. It says, it's a person characterized by, no, irrepressible, big word, optimism, and a tendency to find good in everything. I just put overly optimistic. If you know me, people ask me all the time, they go, how are you doing? And my standard response typically is to say, better sick. And I go, no, I just get better every day. And that's just me. I tend to be an optimist until one day one of my teachers looked at me and she says, I think you need to skip a day and double up. Anyway, but it it keeps you humble. All right. But we're not just talking about positive thinking. We're going to talk about biblical thinking, which is a different frame. So we're going to talk about biblical framework. Simon, I don't know if it's possible for me to get my notes back here on the back. That would help me so I don't have to keep going back and forth all the time. So, the Scripture says, and we know that for those who love God, it's in Romans eight twenty eight. we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And so, everything in your life, even the ugly stuff, is eventually going to work for good. How many of you, Some of you may not know this story. Joseph, in the Old Testament, there were 12 brothers. He was the little brother. And he goes, I'm going to be the ruler over you someday. (laughs) The big brothers got ticked. His dad and mom got ticked. He didn't have a lot of tact, but he had a promise and a vision from God that that was true. So his brothers took him, beat him up, stole his coat, gave it back to dad and said he got killed, threw him in a pit, sold him into slavery. So in the middle of that, do you think Joseph was very optimistic? Everybody say, nah, probably not. Probably not. But if you fast forward it, he becomes the second in the kingdom in Egypt. He's ruling over everything, and his brothers have to come to him and ask for food. And they're scared. When they finally figure out that, oh, this is Joseph, the one that we just mistreated and sold into slavery, and he went through hell you guys during that time. He was falsely accused. He was thrown in prison. All kinds of things happened to him. But God redeemed all of that. And here's what Joseph had that say. He says, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. And sometimes when you're in the middle of stuff and going through stuff, you're going, God, I don't see your hand in this one at all. Where are you? but this one says that we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So our verse today says that he will never leave you nor forsake you. It's an old Testament promise. It was first done in Joshua chapter one, where Joshua is taking over from Moses to lead him into the promised land. And he's probably a little anxious. You got a million people that have been wandering in the desert for 40 years (laughs) And God says, okay, you're the one to lead them in, and to fulfill that promise there. And so he's anxious about that one. Some of you have lost loved ones this year, last year, at different times. One of my favorite verses is Psalms, chapter 23. But if you look at verse 4, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil reason he can make that claim even as he walks through the valley I will fear no evil for you are with me the same thing we're talking about here that I'm never going to leave you and I'm never going to forsake you but I'm going to be here with you so that's God's promise to us that we're going to dwell on today okay just this week, I mean, I mentioned to you four people went to the hospitals. There was a whole lot more going on, but God has promised His presence to be with us. So, <laughs> the big question is: I talked about this with my wife this week. I said, "So, what do you do when you don't feel like God's around?" So, am I the only one? But does anybody else ever feel like God? Where are you? I'm a little forsaken. (laughs) I'm alone right now, even with our five kids at home, okay? Um, But it's like, where is God in the middle of all of this? And that's a real feeling because he's promised his presence to us. If you look at verse 6, it says, So that we can confidently say that the Lord is my helper. I won't fear. What can man do to me? Well, candidly, man can do a lot to me. How many of you guys have ever had somebody lie about you or take advantage of you or hurt you or abandon you? So man can do a lot, but I think it's a rhetorical question that in the light of eternity, it's like Joseph looking back after I don't know how long it was, from when he was stoned in the pit and sold into slavery to when he's there serving his brothers, he says, you intended it for evil, but God meant it for good. And God redeemed that. wasn't a good thing that happened to Joseph. You've had things that have happened to you that are not good. But Romans 8 says that all of those things will work together for good for those that love the Lord. And so man can do a whole lot, but God is good. And I, I wrote down two things. I said, God is trustworthy. And his word, the scriptures, are trustworthy. Stand on. But here's what's fun about this. Keep your life. This is fun. If you were here in December, we were going through a book called The Advent What? It wasn't that long ago. Come on, you guys. It was just a month. The Advent Conspiracy. And one of the points, a big part of it was just how do we treat money, right? So keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. So, I don't know about you, but when I go to the grocery store, I have to pay for my groceries, right? I was going to put the picture up there, and I didn't do it. But January 1, I'm out with our son Jackson, who was here from South Korea, in between duty stations with the Army. And we went for coffee, and I left that morning. And it snowed January 1. You won't remember that, but it did. And as we pulled out on Northern, on our green light, the guy with the red light in the snow decided he didn't see the light and didn't stop. And he T-boned my car on the driver's side. And I thought, oh man, we had just bought it in March. We'd had it less than a year. So I was excited. Because nobody was hurt. Seriously. Nobody was hurt. But it looked really ugly. I mean, and the drivers always caved in, and the part of the body was caved in. And I thought, oh, they can fix this, because we really liked this car. And we were to keep it for 10 years. It was paid for. Everybody say debt-free. Two really good four-letter words. Paid for. Okay? And, uh. Lo and behold, I can still drive it. The door still open. I wish you, I, I should have put the picture of it. But I'll do it for next. So come back second service, you can see what it looked like. But it was really bad. Chuck got to see it, and uh, you guys, I took it to the insurance, and they did the little adjustment. It was going to cost seventy-two hundred dollars to repair the car, and I'd only spent eighty-five hundred on it. It was used, we buy used, but uh, the insurance company that he was with decided to total my car. So was I excited? Everybody say, no. And do all stories have happy endings? Everybody say, no. They don't. Now this one was fun though. I got to drive it for a month because I could still drive it. But they totaled it. And then if you go to try to find a used car today, they're very what? Very expensive. So I paid eighty five hundred for this car with one hundred fifty thousand miles on it. And if you look for any car like that today, it's twelve to fifteen thousand dollars. It's nuts. And uh, fortunately, I found one same year. Mine had 150 when I bought it, and this one had 122000 on it, and I paid 8500 The insurance company gave us $10,900, and I had to pay $11,200. So I got to drive my car for a year for $300, and they gave it to me with a full take of gas, which wiped all of that and anyway, but um, <laughs> close, close. You know, stuff happens, you guys. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. So the biblical thinking, the biblical answer to this, not the Pollyanna optimistic thing, is here's what God said. He says, if we have food and clothing with these, we're going to be content. It's in 1 Timothy 6. 8. I don't know about you, but my wife really likes a roof over her house, too, and he. So, I mean, <laughs> that's what Scripture says. And we look for even more than that. I have a son that serves in the Middle East. Most of you know that. And he, he, he just laughs. When I tell him all the stuff that's going on and what happens, he goes, Dad, you have such first world problems. You know? Somebody didn't get their box of chocolate bars or their box of cookie dough and... We fix it. But he's got people from the Syrian refugees living in tents in the snow. And they had the worst snowstorm in 20 years. Now, they're here right now. He missed that storm. But they had a 20-year snowstorm. And you've got people living in tents going, how do we stay warm and how do we eat? You know? And so I can just tell you that if we have food and clothing, we're going to learn to be content. And it's easy to say all these things, but it's really, really, really hard. Okay? Okay? There's a verse about Christ that says he was tempted in all ways, just as we were. So he's experienced everything that we've experienced, but he was without what? He was without sin. He didn't sin. And yet when he's in the garden praying to his heavenly father, he says, Lord, he says, God, I don't want to go through this. (laughs) If there's any other way, if there's any other way, could you do this? take it away from me. He says, but not my will, your will be done. And then when he's actually on the cross during the crucifixion, I cannot imagine these words. And he goes, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't just feel forsaken. He was. At that point when he took our sin upon him and he paid the price for our forgiveness. That's why we're going to do the remembrance here and celebrate it at the end of the service. But when that happened, God turned his back because God's holy and he's righteous. And Christ took the penalty for our sin on the cross and he was forsaken. So know that when you feel alone, you feel forsaken, when you don't understand what's going on and you're going, why God? Or why me, God? God's there in the midst of it all. He gets it. Christ understands because he went through it to a depth and a degree that we will never be able to understand. So, it's not unique to us that we do that. But then, at the end of Matthew chapter 28, he gives you the Great Commission He says, as you're going, make disciples, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. And then the promise goes, and behold, or lo, if you're a King James person, okay? Lo, I am with you how long? Always, always, to the end of time. Does it always feel like it? Everybody say, "Uh uh-uh. Or you can say, no, okay. I grew up in Arkansas. Uh Uh-uh, it's okay. Does it always feel like it? Absolutely not. Is it true? Yes, He is with us always, even to the end of the time. So if you go back to the verse we're looking at, which I just lost, but I'll find it. And we know that those who love God, all things work together. And then he said, keep your life free from the love of money. So is love an emotion? Everybody say, "Uh uh-huh. Do you always feel like you love somebody? <laughs> Sometimes say no. Okay? Sometimes I do things that aren't very loving <laughs> towards my wife or my children. And they don't feel love. But love is an emotion. And when you don't feel that, what do you do with that? What do you do when you don't feel your emotions? Or your emotions don't measure up with what biblical truth is? So you keep your life free from the love of money and to be content. Contentment is a feeling. Everybody with me? It's not an It's just how you feel. You feel contented. When my wife fixes a good meal and I get to eat, I'm content. Joy gets to fix his own meal. It's okay. So, to learn to be contented. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you and so we can confidently say the Lord is my helper. Confidence is a feeling can we confidently say the Lord is my helper? If you have trusted Christ, if you've accepted what he did on that cross, yes, you can do that. You can confidently say, and it's true. It's not a Pollyanna optimistic, just happy-go-lucky response. It's based on a biblical promise and a truth that God said. And that's his promise for us today is that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you regardless of what it feels like. But what do you do when it doesn't feel like it, right? How do you do that? Preach is really easy. <laughs> it's hard to live it out, right? So when God has forsaken you, what do you do with that? Uh, the old Puritans called it the manifest feeling of God. Uh, anybody here ever really felt like God was close to you? I mean, not, I'm not being funny, but it's like, it's a feeling and I'm not very feeling really it's like I get irritated but I don't have a great feeling because it's funny it's just my wife partly it's the way I grew up I was emotionally locked so I don't have a lot of emotions but this feeling that the Puritans call it the manifest presence of God where you could feel it where you could sense it was there and sometimes it's not there Sometimes it's not a feeling. Anybody here ever heard this little quote? Most of you can fill this in for me. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Which I'm always fascinated because the antithesis of that one says familiarity breeds. Why do we all know these things? But you guys all know, right? So I'm going, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, when I'm gone, my wife misses me, right? But if I'm around too much, she says, you need to go to work. Okay, so... it's like, what's up with this? I think that sometimes God can use our loneliness. He can use those feelings that we have of being abandoned or forsaken. And it's not a punishment. He's trying to discipline us to seek him in a new, fresh, deeper way. It's a training tool. It's not a punishment. Now, can we screw up? Everybody say yes. You could call that sin. We can miss the mark, and God will pull back from us because he wants to get our attention. He wants our heart. He wants our heart. He wants us to be content, not with our stuff. One of the little quotes, it was really kind of cool, it says, The secret to happiness... Is to want what you already have. And God says the secret to happiness is to want what you already have in me. In me. Here's what's fun about this. That whole verse that we were looking at says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. So over here, we're talking about stuff, right? But then he goes on to say, he says, For I will never leave you or forsake you. So he switches it from stuff to a relationship with him. Maybe read it again. You guys, think through this. This is, the, this is the whole point. He's moving it from this stuff and the love of money and everything that money buys. Our culture says more, better, different. For the young folks in here that get a new device, does a new one come out every year? Everybody say yes. So if you have the Apple 11 or 12, you're behind. How many of you have an Apple 13? Wow. First, oh, one. And it's the younger people in the first. I knew it wouldn't work for first service. Anyway, but okay. <laughs> How many of you guys still have a flip phone? Well, no, no. How many of you guys don't have a cell phone at all? I have a guy on my Friday morning. Well, yeah, that's because we know why. Anyway, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys, we always knew more better and different. Was I happy to get a new car? Everybody said, you bet. It was great. It's fun. So you know what? Are we content with what we have? It's like, how many pairs of shoes do I need? A lot. Have you been talking to Amy? No, anyway, okay, but,
1: you know, it's like, how many
0: shirts do I have? Uh, since COVID, I used to wear button-down shirts to work all the time. And now I don't. I wear knit shirts and go out, and I have 12 button-down shirts with my school logo on it that hang in my closet, and I've worn them once in two years. And I'm going, well, I can't give them away, right, to New Horizons because they talk about my business. So what do you do with this, right? And the reason I had 12 is because I could wear a week, send them to the dry cleaning, and I have another week, and I could do the rotation. If you're wondering, why in the world would you have 12 It was methodical because my wife doesn't do my lottery for shirts anymore. She goes, I don't iron, so it's okay. But I've learned to be content. I can farm that one out. So God pulls away from us and sometimes we feel forsaken and abandoned and alone. That's why I encourage you to take that communication card and let us know how we can pray for you. This church meets and prays Every week, there's a list that goes out to those that agree to pray. It'll vary anywhere from 20 to 50 different prayer requests or praises. But we encourage you to talk to us. Let us serve you as well, too. Okay. So the training, Joseph was trained. He went from this cocky young man with a great vision to a man over here who says, You know what? You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good, and God used him. And God's going to do that in your life stand on these promises, we can confidently say, you don't have to just think it. Sometimes you have to say it. The Lord is my helper. I won't fear. What can man do to me? Because in light of eternity. So, object lesson. Most of you know Romans chapter 12. Okay? Romans chapter 12 says this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship we sang the song come to the altar when's the last time you presented your body as a living sacrifice to God did you crawl up on the altar today and say Lord let me die to me let me live through you so if I showed you this pan, does anybody know what I'm about to make say it again it's a bread loaf, right? I was really trying to find... I asked my wife, I said, do we have a cake pan mold? Because we have lots of little kids and we've made lots of cakes that are really cute and creative and you can make them look like all kinds of things. And she goes, not anymore. Okay, so um, this is my bread loaf. If I have a pie tin I'm about to bake what? I'm going to bake a pie. If we have muffins, we can have muffins. But at our house, it's pumpkin muffins with brown sugar sprinkling on the top. It's really good. So you guys... What that verse says is, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed, in verse 2, by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. So, you know, guess what I'm going to make with this one? Oh, come on, you can do this. This is a popsicle thing, right? I've never seen one that's kind of cool. It's got the little straws here at the end. So when it melts, you can suck it out. It's kind of fun, but this is the popsicle sticks. Are you allowing your mind to be transformed to think biblically? That's my question. Are you allowing your mind, are you learning to keep your life free from the love of money and to be content? Because this promise is not the stuff, but his presence. His presence, even when it doesn't feel like it. Because that's the number one objection to this rule. Is I don't feel God I prayed, you guys. I prayed when our daughter was going through her chemo for six months. I I quit praying because I didn't know how to pray. Am I proud of that? No. But it's like, Lord, I don't know whether to pray that you take her out of this suffering as she goes through this chemo or that you would heal her. I don't know what your will is. We all go through stuff. Fortunately, Jillian's now 15. All four and a half feet of her. You've seen her. Great bundle of joy. But... It's hard, you guys. But the biblical thing says we need to do that. And then our second verse that we're going to talk about in our promise is John 16:33. John 16:33. If you're in your bulletin, you'll see it there. It said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. one we don't like to talk about is in this world you will have what? And I think they go together. I really do. You know? I don't work much with wood. Some of you do. But you want to finish it off, you got to use sandpaper, right? Or steel wool. You got to use something to smooth it off. And I think God's using tribulation to smooth us down. One of my favorite quotes really It just says, life wouldn't be so hard if we didn't expect it to be easy. Life wouldn't be so hard if we didn't expect it to be easy. And yet, it's right there in Scripture. It says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. There will be hard times. We're all going to struggle. It's okay. God didn't abandon you. He doesn't ever look down from heaven and go, oh, myself, what was I thinking? He doesn't. He's working in our lives to transform us, to change us, to conform us to the image of Christ, to make us more Christ-like. That's his intent. That's his purpose for the training. Right now the Olympics are going on. I haven't watched any of it, but that's okay. But they train and they shape and they work so that they can perform. And God's training us, and he's shaping us. And sometimes it hurts. It's okay. Life wouldn't be so hard if we didn't expect it to be easy. Stuff's going to happen. There will be struggles in your life. But God has not abandoned you. That's his promise. say it would be easy? No. Nope. I love this. This is, If you want to flip there, if you've got your Bible, this is fascinating. This is Paul's little testimony or blip, right? It's in Second Corinthians chapter 6. One of the greatest apostles wrote a whole bunch of the New Testament and all those books. And Here's what he said. He says, but as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way. So he's willing to say good things about himself. Most of us try to be too humble falsely so and we commend ourselves (laughs) by great endurance in afflictions hardships calamities I was beaten five times I've been in prison I've been in riots where I was the subject of the riot okay in labors in sleepless nights in hunger by purity knowledge patience kindness the Holy Spirit and genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. So he's in a battle through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well known. We're treated as dying and behold, we live as punished and not yet killed, as sorrowful. As sorrowful feeling. Everybody say, uh-huh. Things are going wrong and I feel sorry. Sometimes I feel sorry for myself, right? And yet we're rejoicing. As poor, yet making many riches, having nothing, but I possess everything. I mean, how many of you would go, sign me up, I want to do that, right? No, we wouldn't do that. Stuff happens. Life is hard, but God is faithful. And his promise to us is that he will never leave us or forsake us. And then if you go back to John 1633, he says, I've said these things to you that you may have peace. So we can have peace in the middle of all the stuff going around us. And in the world you will have tribulation. He puts those two together. I, I find that so fascinating. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So he overcame. He is resurrected today. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father interceding for you and me somebody's already praying for you and no he doesn't need the connection card but we do okay so give us a chance to help you out and pray with you pray for you and we're going to close with these last two verses it's in Isaiah 26 verse 3 it says you will keep him in perfect peace that peace he just talked about whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you God is trustworthy so, anybody know what this little bottle is? Everybody say super glue. Okay, this is super glue. How many of you have ever gotten super glue on your fingers? How many of you did it on purpose just to see if it worked, right? Okay, so this is our super glue. I had to use some this week. And man, if you get it stuck, <laughs> it stays stuck. <laughs> or you can get a pair of a razor. they don't have straight edge razors. But if you did, you can get this right. and you can cut it apart, right? But this is super glue. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. <laughs> the image that God gave me, he says, we need to be super glued to Christ. You know? We have to transform our mind. We have to renew our minds through scripture, through truth, through biblical thinking, and responding biblically to what God has said, to the promises that are there. We have to do that in faith. Because will it always feel like it? Everybody say, uh oh, But I can stand on the word of God. You know? I love that song. Some of you may know it, Standing on the Promises. Look it up. Play it. I, some of you won't have Spotify because you have flip phones. But it's okay. So, some of you have no phones, but your parents can play some, Standing on the Promises for you. There's another song that I would encourage you to look up we like gospel music like there's and quartet stuff but there's a group called the Booth Brothers and they have a song called Still and it says still God is on his throne and he is even when the culture around us looks like it's falling apart everybody say "Uh uh-huh even when that's true God is still on his throne he really isn't up there going oh myself what's happening he knows he's allowing this he's sharpening us as his church To be his voice. To be the So that's one of your verses. The other one is this. Circle back. To the very first one, Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. It's keep your life free from the love of money and to be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The antithesis of that, I'm going to date myself Really, really popular song that came out in 1965. There was this guy named Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones. And the song was, I Can't Get No. See, some of you old people know this, all right? (laughs) For you young people, I was trying to think, how would they even know who Mick Jagger was in the Rolling Stones, right? It's like, that was a long time ago. But he did sing in the Super Bowl, one time at halftime. But I looked it up. No, seriously. And it was 2006. It's like, that was 15 years ago. You guys weren't around for that either, most of you. So or you were too young to remember. So it's like, okay, this analogy won't work for everybody. But that's the world's song, man. That's the world's song. I can't get no satisfaction. But the biblical truth, if you go back to Hebrews, is keep your lives free from the love of money be content with what you have. And the reason we can do that is because I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Everybody do this. Come on, this is sign language. I'm sorry. Everybody do this. We're not playing sticks or rock, paper, scissors. This means help. Can I help you? The Lord is my helper. I won't fear living with fear or do you have that relationship? The Lord is my helper. I won't fear. What can man do to me? That's what I want you to take away today. It's this promise from God that he is going to be there. Even when it doesn't feel like it, he's there. He's there, which is why we do what we do with communion. Friend of mine just asked me, he goes, Why do we do communion? What is it? What does that mean? Fair question. Let me find the verse. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I gotta find it. Speaking about the Lord's Supper, Paul says this in 11, 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. So, peel the little top part off. Take out the little. You guys, this is a serious moment, but I have to say this. How many of you guys think this tastes like those little styrofoam pellets that you use for packing I really miss communion bread. It will probably never go back, okay? I get it. But it's what it represents. It's what it represents. Here's what it says in Scripture. The Lord Jesus, on the night of his prayer, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this. Verse 25, it says, And in the same way, after supper, he took the common cup that they shared. And he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, not the blood of goats and animals anymore, but in his blood, that he shed on that cross when God forsook him. He says, Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death. And the key phrase is, until he comes. He's coming back. So what can man do to me in the light of eternity? (laughs) Nothing. Nothing. And that's what we remember as we take this cup. We appreciate you guys being here. Just know that the Lord will never leave you and that he will never forsake you. He's here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your promises. Help us to stand firm on the promises of God. Help us to be transformed in our minds. Help us to be super glued <laughs> that we would fix our mind up even in the middle of the distractions that have come our way. Help us to be bound to you, to your scriptures, to the practices that draw us close to you. Help us to realize that you are always there, even when it doesn't feel like it. Thank you. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for this chance to remember you through communion. To celebrate the sacrifice that you made for us. That we could be restored into that relationship with you. That we could have peace with God. That passes all understanding. For it's in your son's precious name.